Beware the Ides of March. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Gym Class All-Stars. And March has hit us hard here. Tournament time in full swing and some, some tough, tough losses to be dealt with. We're going to get into it in just a second here. But Alex Baker and myself, Robert Roosevelt, here to give you the full rundown of sports for this past week. As always, brought to you by Vigit the best sports betting app out there that free coins win real prizes, gift cards, PS5s, all that kind of good stuff. Hop on Vigit today. So this tournament has its, its highest of highs and its lowest of lows. I was perfect in one portion of the bracket up until my national champion, Illinois, decided to, to bite the dust today. So we'll get to that in a second here. Let's start with the first round recap here. So unlike normal, we had one side go one day, one side, and then the other side go the next day, just to keep things simple with COVID. And in that first round, we saw a 12 seed, two 13 seeds, a 14 and a 15 seed, all take home a victory and advance to keep dancing here in March. What to you was the most surprising upset of the first round? Hmm. Gee, I wonder. First and foremost, before we start this, I am actively disowning the two following states from the United States of America. Number one is Illinois, because they did lose today, but that one was that one was actually a good game, and Loyola Chicago played very well, which we'll talk about soon. But I am disowning Texas as a state. I would like Texas to get the hell out of my America, and I will refuse to set foot in the city of Austin, Texas ever again in my life. Oh my goodness, I cannot believe that my Final Four team decided to lose to Albine Christian for whatever reason. Shaka Smart just can't win a freaking game in the first round for whatever reason. And lo and behold, Robbie, I want to bring some math into you. Uh, did you watch the end of that game? Oh, I, I saw it, man. Okay. <laughs> I was well, watching. First and foremost, the audacity to call a foul at the end of the game like that. Just utter utterly atrocious but i'm not salty i'm just butthurt it's fine the other thing is the person who got fouled was a 58 percent free throw shooter and if we do the math on this the odds of him making both which he did he had a 34 percent chance of making both free throws and lo and behold he did now before he got to the free throw line i'm like with my luck he's gonna make both 100 percent yeah, that, that's how it goes, right? And everything, the flip is complete, excuse me, the script is completely flipped here in March. Anything can happen. Any given team can win. That Albine Christian, man, that hurt, I'm sure, a lot of people's brackets. For me, that was the second Final Four team to go down. Oral Roberts, the 15 seed that people had only ever heard about from a family guy gag, defeated number two seeded Ohio state. And let me, let me tell you, I, like I said, last second picked Ohio state to be my final four team from the, the South region. I hate Ohio state. You, you listen to this show, you're friends with me, you know how much I hate Ohio state, but despite all my hatred, I tried to put all that aside and think, think outside the box think unbiasedly. And I picked them and it was the literal dumbest decision I think I've made in all of March Madness history. Do not ever Stop in the state of Ohio. It is just not worth your time. We are seceding as a country from Ohio. They are not seceding from us. We are leaving them. Ohio can be its own country, whatever the hell, you know, un unused territory, whatever. Just God, get rid of them. That was disgusting. On the other end, though, the, the Ohio University, not Ohio State, so Ohio, 13 seed, took out four seed Virginia. 
I actually picked that one. So I'm feeling pretty good about at least wherever they're located in Ohio. Yeah, I felt good about also picking that. I don't know what I said during the show, but I think I caved and ended up picking them. What I will say, though, is I went against my decision last week. We talked about the Mm -hmm. Wisconsin-UNC game, and I heard a stat that Roy Williams has never lost in the first round. And I was like, wow, that's a pretty good stat. I guess I got to go with UNC. Oh, boy, was I horribly mistaken. So I'm, if you listen to the show and went with Wisconsin, like I told you to do, good for you because you're definitely doing much better than I was. I'll say I, I talked you out of a different upset that you were going to mention because North Texas was ra- ranked the 68th out of 68 teams in this pool of yeah. teams. And they took out Purdue, who, of course, I had going to the Elite Eight. Um. You know, Purdue was a team that you could probably have predicted to lose early. They were a tall team, not a great free throw shooting team. So I respect you there. But, the, you know, North Texas, I did not think was going to be the team to do it. And again, lo and behold, they're, they're one of two 13 seeds, them in Ohio, that were able to take down a four seed. You don't see you, – you'll see a 13 seed win maybe most years, maybe not every year, but two 13 seeds is relatively rare. Um, so, so really cool to see that, but also – Half, half really just hurt my bracket there. No, you you really talked me out of a lot there because I also said I think Nova's going to beat Winthrop, and lo and behold, we were like, I think Winthrop's pretty good. And Grant, when I researched them a bit more, I'm like, I agree with this. So I had both my gut telling me to say it's going to be North Texas versus Villanova, and I switched both. And that's why the upper right quadrant of my bracket is utterly disgusting, like a lot of people's. But yeah. – I did end up going with Baylor up there. So we still have a chance. Not yeah, a great Baylor. chance, but a chance. <laughs> Baylor, I think winning right now still, yeah. I'm not mistaken, over Wisconsin. So ho- ho- hoping for you, holding out hope. My paper bracket's doing a little better than my online bracket. That's, you know, of course, the one up for money. So Texas Tech, they want to win, though, at least make me feel a little bit better about myself. Uh, before, before we keep going here, you know, I'm in a bracket pool for my, my work. And most of the people there don't don't follow basketball. It was pretty much a, a ploy, like a, a scam to just try and get myself $23. And I'm not going to lose, or I'm not going to win as the person who watches the most college basketball there. I am my boss, who is an avid sports gambler, is not going to be winning. Just a barista who knows dick shit about basketball is going to win. And I literally could not be happier, both for her, for the whole turn. Like just, man, this is what $20, $20 will make people go crazy. So, you know, shout out to her. She's in the driver's seat. She's still got like 1700, or excuse me. Yeah. 1700 possible points left her entire final four. I'm down to one team in my final four. Like it's, it's a mess, man. It's funny. Cause my friend Abby, who knows nothing about college basketball, she called me on Thursday and she's like, I got added in this pool for March madness. I need your help. And I'm like, well, okay. You know, I'm pretty smart, right? I can do this. So I was coaching her through it. We did great in the first round, but yeah, unfortunately we came to the consensus that Illinois would be a nice safe pick for her. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, about that. Also, <laughs> the worst part is I convinced her to put Texas in the final four. <laughs> so it's been a bad, it's been a bad day for me because I'm just getting ripped apart by her. It's all right, man. It, it it's happens to the best of us. We, we try and have these best intentions. And unfortunately, even our predictions can mean nothing. Our, our insight, all of it can mean absolutely nothing. Let, let's go to that Illinois game for a second here. It's the first game to conclude in the second round. Sister Jean and Loyola Chicago seem poised for yet another deep tournament run as they just took out who a lot, a lot of people had winning this national championship. And that was Io DeSumo and Kofi Cockburn's Illinois double-digit victory in the end for Loyola, looking very strong after their first two games. They will get the winner of Oregon State versus Oklahoma State. 
Um, so I know you're high on Houston. You, you need Houston, honestly, at this point. I need Houston. But if we're talking Loyola Chicago here, what do you like? Do they have a legitimate shot to come out of this part of the bracket at this point? Yeah, because what I've watched from them, they shoot lights out. And that was what happened today. Cameron Crutwig, who you have never heard his name before, <laughs> he is the center for Loyola Chicago. He played phenomenal. I'm not just saying, like, in the paint against, uh, by the way, it's not Kofi Cockburn, as we had thought. It's Kofi Coburn, as they pronounce the entire. I think it's, that's the PG version of it, but. Mm. I, I know, but I was so <laughs> tilted for listening to this entire broadcast because I watched the entire game. And what I will say, Cameron Crowley went right after Kofi the entire game. They ran the offense through. It looked like a mini Jokic, like, to be quite honest with you. And he had 19 points, 12 boards. But they did this thing where they just had him and whoever was on IO just they would charge him and like trap him. And it caused so much stress, so much pressure. And they did that. They switched well. They were playing fast paced offense, fast paced defense. And it really worked because they got the ball out of IO's hands. They gave it to Kofi a lot. And, you know, Kofi scored in a few possessions, but in the end, Loyola shot much better, and they kept it out of their best players' hands, which was the key to victory. And that's that's partially why they won by double digits. Like they played phenomenally, shot great, and then they the defense was exceptional. Like some of the best defense I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, what, what what did I say at the beginning of our our episode last week, where when I was given our keys to the bracket, good shooting and energy on defense are the things that are going to help you work wonders in this tournament and that has been the case here for Loyola Chicago good win over Georgia Tech in round one and now possibly even the biggest upset of the tournament so far taking down Illinois in the round of 60 or round of 32 moving forward here so we've seen now one seed go down a two seed go down um is this going to kind of fold normally for Gonzaga and we're just going to see a year where the number one overall seed reigns supreme or are, is this going to be one of those crazy, crazy years like Julius Randle versus Shabazz Napier where we get like a seven and an eight seed in the championship? You know, you got me pulling for Ohio versus Syracuse, 13 versus 11 at this point. Chaos reigns supreme. But uh, what, what are you thinking here at this point for the rest of the bracket? You know, I got to say, Gonzaga's spread yesterday against, I think it was Texas Southern, if I'm not mistaken, minus 33. That is, that means they had to win by 33 points and they won by, I believe, 41, which is, you know, it's a six round of six or sorry, round of 64. It's a 16 seed, but that is, that is unfathomable to me. I would never want to even touch that game, no matter how good you think Gonzaga is, but they're scary. And right now in that side of the bracket, like you have Creighton, but I think Gonzaga could handle Creighton. No problem. You have Iowa. I was probably the only team on that side of the bracket that can stop them. And that matchup does not play in Iowa's favor. So do I think Gonzaga will make it to the final four? Yes. It's going to depend on the other side matchup. Like maybe Michigan is going to run the table. We really weren't high on Michigan, but with Texas getting shafted by Albion Christian, you know, might as well get back on the Michigan hype train or even Alabama for that matter. Yeah. It, I see a world kind of like where Kentucky was a few years ago where they get to the final four and lose, but Gonzaga is the favorite. They should be regarded as the favorite. So if you're like, I think Gonzaga's going to win, I can't really argue against it currently. Yeah, no, it's it's tough. I, I agree that Iowa is really the only team in the West that 
has a real shot to beat Gonzaga, mostly just because they got a good look at Gonzaga before, you know, again, they lost by double digits. Them and Kansas are the only two teams left in that portion of the bracket that have played Gonzaga. So they each have at least gotten a look at them, but Kansas, Kansas struggled in that win against Eastern Washington, Iowa kind of, you know, it was a 12 point win. It got a little closer at the end, but they handled Grand Canyon for the most part. Honestly, I think the bigger struggle for Iowa just is getting to that game against Gonzaga. Because if you get to the game against Gonzaga, it essentially just becomes who plays a better game of basketball. And that is is really all you need it to be for them. But with Oregon and Kansas, if they're the better shooting team or they're outrunning you in transition, again, the thing you need to do against Luca Garza is get him having to run up and down the court, get him tired, get him in foul trouble, get him running, moving. That's the thing he's not good at. I, I don't know. I, I Again, I would love to see Iowa go on this big tournament run. I'm just, I'm so scared, really, of Oregon. I really, and just that that team, those that guard duo I talked about in our March Madness episode is just so scary. Um, real quick about Oregon and VCU. So this is the first time we get, we're going to see it uh, in use. The the COVID rule here. So VCU had a, I think it was a player test positive for COVID. They were ejected from the tournament, disqualified, as stated. Oregon advanced the official score was one to nothing had to be an official score because the game has to be played um so oregon advances they will play iowa tomorrow we'll see the the west is can somebody stop gonzaga that's really what it is at this point yeah i mean you get the favorable matchup in the sense that oregon hasn't played yet so they don't like Mm -hmm. that's a good thing potentially but it's also bags they ever asked But I think you play in your favor. It's going to be a close game. Like, that's not going to be a fun game to probably watch. But let's just talk about Houston because Houston is going to win the tournament. And I picked them. Quentin Grimes, that dude can ball. He can create any shot he wants, perimeter, inside. He is a true three-level scorer. Probably going to have a shot in the NBA if they can make a good tournament run, especially – but, again, he – you know, now it's Houston's portion of the bracket to lose. Like, Loyola's hot – Cade Cunningham may be the number one pick in the draft, but like Houston is the best team left. And again, that means a little bit less come March, come, you know, half or a third of the fans, whatever it is, but it's really possible. They are other than if Loyola is just hitting all their threes again, the scariest offensive team in the Midwest portion of the bracket. And that was maybe even with Illinois in the conversation. Um, But I will say in that portion of the bracket, do not sleep on that Oregon state, Oklahoma state matchup because the winner of that game a very well could be advancing to the elite eight and B they could be, I'm especially talking about Oklahoma state here with Cade Cunningham, but could be a sleeper team to make that final four run to make that national championship run. Cause with Illinois gone, even if Houston is the superior team here, everybody in this portion of the bracket now has that thought, like we can do it. The top dog's gone. It can be our time now. And I think Cade is going to have that kind of mindset. It's a matter of, can he really get the whole system, the coaching staff, the players on board to make a, deep real run of this thing so yeah the rest of this here i mean the the south is it even worth making a prediction of who's going to win the south at this point like baylor's still the safest bet here but man arkansas baby roll with arkansas let's let's, let's roll on arkansas we i do have them losing this round to texas tech we'll see what what happens here arkansas struggled like you said against colgate colgate really made it a fun game for most of that yeah, we had Robbie and I were texting back and forth during that game, and I was I was extremely nervous watching Colgate just run the tables on them in the first half. But Arkansas had this insane comeback to end the first half up by a point and then kind of took control during the second half. 
that's sort of the beauty of it where you have these mid-major schools who can catch fire shooting. And if they do that and play pretty solid defense, a lot of teams don't have the ability to play catch up. So it can be scary. And that's kind of what happened with Arkansas. Luckily, no upset for my sanity. It would have been a bad way to start off Friday. I was already tired from doing some homework. And I knew it was going to be rough when I was going to see Arkansas lose to a toothpaste brand. <laughs> the toothpaste jokes were plentiful for Colgate and would have been had they won. I think that's going to pretty much wrap up our conversation on the bracket here. You know, we had the bracket episode and we're going to be talking about this for at least a, a week or two to come. So, you know, I'm praying for everybody, hoping their brackets are doing well. Um, before, yeah, before we go, two things. There was the viral tiktok or video of the discrepancy between the ncaa men's tournament and the women's tournament with the weight room i think that's worth talking about did you not see this i did not general gist uh indiana where the men's tournament's being held they have a practice court and then they have this pretty nice makeshift weight weight room like you can lift and there's a bunch of machines and whatnot the women also a practice court, but their weight room was uh, a little less than subpar. It was more or less a weight rack. Oh, I yeah. mean, I literally mean oh, yeah. a rack of like 15 weights. I mean, like dumbbells, like that was it. So not a good look from the NCAA. A little bit disappointing, Very disappointing. on their end. And I will say the other thing, though, is tonight at 6 p.m., big women's basketball game on tonight. West Virginia Mountaineers versus my Lehigh Mountain Hawks. Mm. I'm telling you, Lehigh Mountain Hawks going to shock the world tonight. And if you don't trust me, at least bet the spread for Lehigh to cover. That's my that's my lock of the week. I don't I don't know if it's possible. I, I honestly didn't take a look at the women's bracket yet. But if Iowa can play uh, Lehigh in the national championship, that'd be a little, little beef, little rivalry. Even if they get a chance to play each other, that could be fun. I would I'll, I'll take fly a look at to that. Iowa to punch you in the throat. <laughs> just saying you don't want to fly to iowa we have coronavirus everywhere. that's true <laughs> so do we all though. right so we're gonna move on from college basketball here plenty of sports left to talk about i'm gonna shift into the regular old version of basketball that would be the nba i'm gonna start with a couple uh trades that went down and then we'll go to the other news that we got um the first trade that went down was the oklahoma city thunder so trevor ariza had been traded them in the offseason he had not been playing with them he had no intention on playing for a team not competing he has now been traded to the miami heat he has been traded an nba record 11 times now which is kind of a fun stat national nba champion is trevor ariza he was traded for a 2027 second round pick from the heat and our good pal myers leonard who, from what I understand, is not going to play in the NBA ever again. Uh, he is not part of the Oklahoma City Thunder's plan. They intend to only play him if absolutely necessary. He's already out for the rest of the year anyway. He's just on a two-year deal. Um, so we'll see what happens for the rest of his career, but I would not expect to hear the name Myers Leonard pop up all too much on the court, uh, especially especially in OKC where they, you know, they don't really need him. He's already as good as he was ever going to get. Yeah. Um, so thoughts on that trade, I guess really it only like, you know, the Thunder, of course, pick hoarding uh, for the Heat, though. Does Trevor Ariza really make any any large impact for them? I, I don't think Trevor Ariza's made a, that large of an impact over the past like five years, but he's always that guy that gets mentioned as a trade target. Like everyone likes <laughs> the three and D wing player. I mean, it's I guess for your sake, like it's good to have him rather than an inactive Myers Leonard, but I, I don't think it really puts you over. The other one that was interesting is there's been a lot of talks heating up with 
LaMarcus Aldridge wanting to go to the Heat after a buyout. I think that one is a little bit better for you, but same type of deal where you're sort of just hoarding these players who are great five, six years ago. Yeah. With, with Aldridge, I'd like the concept of a buyout because we can get him on the minimum deal, sure. a lower deal than he's on. And honestly, he could fit in at least on the bench. Ariza, like, again, we didn't give up much for him, so I, I'm by, by no means upset with the trade. Um, I'm hoping that he can just kind of be what Mo Harkless was supposed to be because Mo Harkless has been terrible for Miami in the very limited minutes he's gotten to play. Um, just be that four, you know, three, four can shoot the rock, can play a little bit of defense. That's really all we need out of that. And, you know, this was not a trade to try and set us over the top. This was a trade because we got an, a, an opportunity to get rid of a player. We didn't want anymore and be an opportunity to bring in a veteran who's been in the NBA finals before he's won an NBA finals. Actually, I don't think he's won an NBA finals. I think he lost with the Lakers, if I'm not mistaken. I'll look that up. Cause I think Doesn't he is matter. an NBA champion, but we'll, we'll get to that. But either way, he's, he's been in the playoffs before on lots of teams he does, he does a few things. That's all you really need him to do. Um, the Heat may make one more move to get the real piece that's going to try and put him over the top. But this one seemed to just be kind of like, this is what we're willing to give up for three months of a player. And as a Heat fan, I'm pretty fine with that. The other trade that went down, probably a little bit more significant, um, Milwaukee, in, in attempts to really get themsel- themselves in that conversation with the Sixers and the Nets, but, you know, if the Sixers can get back healthy. Um so they moved, they made a move with Houston to acquire PJ Tucker. Tucker had been away from the Rockets trying to figure out his future standing. So the trade was Tucker and Rodion's Kuruch for DJ Augustine, DJ Wilson. And I don't remember if this was a conditional first round pick or like a second round pick that can turn into a first round pick, but some form of a first round pick will be going to Houston. Yeah, I think it's a pick swap potentially. But it's like, yeah, it's a second first type deal. Yeah. I think it's good that they got pj tucker i i don't know how i feel about this in the sense that i don't think it really it helps them but it's not like it's like when they got a miritich a few years ago like it, it, it's a good piece but does it really put them over and i think the answer is no but it's it's an upgrade to say the least so yeah to put them completely over it's tough i will say they have a significantly better death lineup now and that is yeah. not something Mike Budenholzer is ever going to do because he's stupid and likes Brooke Lopez playing basketball. I but like Brooke Lopez. No, lineup, no Brooke Lopez slander will be tired in this podcast. I will mean, all of the Brooke Lopez slander. We'll, we'll get to that. That let, man, let me get to no, this point no, no, no. We're talking right now. That okay, man fine. is Brooke Lopez sucks. He no, was he can shoot the three. On the Brooke... He can what, shoot what? the three. He, he can, can shoot the three, Ravi. He's a spa- he's a he's a space can, and play he player. He shot twenty nine percent in the playoffs from three last year. Don't give me that crap. But in the regular season, you were shooting. She was shooting real. Who the hell nice cares ball. about the regular season? You know who does? The Milwaukee Bucks, who lost in five games to the Miami Heat in the second round of the playoffs. That's it was a Mickey Mouse game. championship, Robbie. We all know this. It was in Disney World. You can't give me that crap. You just mad because the Sixers didn't even have a real shot. I don't even care if you guys won the championship. We'd all put an asterisk by it. We all do for the Lakers at this point. I don't even think that's true. I think it is. Well, that's because you're a LeBron hater, but you know, whatever. Again, not what the point of this was. Um, if the Bucks are smart enough, if Budenholzer is smart enough, which again, I do not believe that he will be, you, the Bucks could play this, this very potential scary lineup of Holiday. I assume DiVincenzo seems to be the guy that they've locked in as their, their two guard. Um, but essentially, whoever your best three and D two guard is, Middleton at the three, Tucker at the four, and Giannis at the five. Ew. The team that I, I like always will compare this to, and they could do it better, is the Heat from last year because it's a better version of Bam. 
He can run the floor as the guard. He can initiate the offense as the center. He doesn't need to shoot because he's now surrounded by four other three-point shooters, but he can hit mid-range. He is allowed to feel a little more comfortable, a little more spaced out on offense, which is where he needs to feel more comfortable. It's all about putting your, your key player in good in like the right spot on offense. The Heat are slowly figuring out how to do that, that for Bam. The Bucks now have this really great opportunity to do it for Giannis. It's just a matter of, you know, can, can they make it work? Can they put the right lineup on the court? And can those shooters be knocking down shots? PJ has that, that corner three he loves. Chris Middleton obviously can, can shoot the lights out. Um, Giannis doesn't need to shoot threes for the Bucks to get to the NBA championship. He does, however, need to always be shooting above both 50% from the free throw line and from the field. And with this lineup, I don't think at least the field goal percentage is going to be an issue at all. Yeah, but like I feel like if you put that lineup against the Sixers, the Sixers – arguably could outmaneuver any of those five with the way their you have to beat the Sixers is with the two three zone it's like the Bucks last year you just you have to do it That's I don't think happens. a two Joel three zone is, this year is that great against the Sixers it's I'm true dealing. it's true but there is no physical person that can guard Joel Embiid that includes Giannis that includes Davis whoever the hell else you want to put on that list so the only way to do it is by joint effort and just straight Fair. up double teaming doesn't really work in the NBA most players will hit an, an open shot so yeah. Yeah, that, 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 that's kind of my worry about that. But, like, also, if you're going to have one person match up against Joel Embiid, Giannis is still towards the top of the list of people you're, you're okay with doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, so those are our thoughts on the Bucks trades. Maybe they'll make a little bit more of a move, but they, you know, they've been in the three seed pretty much most in the, in the East. And, again, they understand now that the regular season is not quite as important as just making sure you're ready for the playoffs. Speaking of getting ready for the playoffs, the Lakers are going to have a very tough time doing that at this point in the season. So Davis has already been ruled out for a few more weeks, and now LeBron James will be out indefinitely with a high ankle sprain. We are now really going to see what these offseason moves the Lakers did um, or made are going to be able to do for them. Schroeder is going to need to start balling. You know, they're not going to have anywhere near the amount of success they do with those two players in the lineup, but they have to find a way to stay in the top four or five seeds in the Western Conference. You know, you can fall to five. That four or five really doesn't matter too much. But if they can avoid falling below four, they really need to figure out how to do that. Uh, that being said, do you, how far do you think they're going to fall? I think they'll probably end up at five. No, nah, I would say four. The Nuggets are hot. Yeah, but I think LeBron will come back at some point before the season ends. If he doesn't, sure. he's soft as hell. Like I just want to oh. let you know. A high ankle sp- get the hell out of here <laughs> that's that's if he misses the rest of the season a high ankle sprain like soft as hell yes so i they're not gonna win many games like they're their rest of their lineup is garbage yeah no it's so. it, it's true caruso's out also i believe with the concussion or he's oh, they're doomed up. they're literally doomed slate about the literally eight then the slate about the eight only shot last but uh good luck to la in that effort but we'll see what they can do moving down the Hawks, we mentioned they fired Lloyd Pierce. They uh, hired Nate McMillan, who was the assistant coach, to be the head coach. They are 8-0 since making that decision. They have risen to the record of 22-20, and 20, tied with the Heat for four. The Heat do on the tiebreaker, so technically Atlanta is five in the East right now. They are red hot. Is this team going to be able to make any noise come postseason time? They're a scary matchup. I don't know about making noise. Like they have Bogdanovich finally, and it's I think they have Gallinari back from injury. So they have this death lineup in terms of offensive production. But the issue has always been they can't play defense. 
it's still kind of the issue. I think Nate McMillan's a better coach than Pierce, but they're gonna it's gonna come down to how much they can actually play defense. And the playoff experience from I think everyone on the floor other than Gallinari, like how are they actually gonna be able to perform come playoff time and under the pressure? And honestly, and Gallinari hasn't been deep in the playoffs in the last year or two, at least. But he's been to the playoffs, though. So, like, he's at least been there, and he's a veteran. It's a veteran. Yeah. It's like Redick a few years ago with the Sixers. <laughs> Grant Redick had made the playoffs up until yeah, all of last year. Yeah. But it's – like, you have Trey Young, John Collins. I don't think Bogdanovich has been to playoff series, and if he has, it was, like, you know, first-round exit type deal. He was a king, so probably not. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. So what I'm getting at here is you have all these young players, like they're great and very talented, but you you haven't been there before. And it's how do you perform under that pressure? And as like a four or five seed, like nothing's guaranteed. Like if you're a high seed, okay, sure. You may have a coasting game, but they will not. Yeah. Cause like the only, like they brought in Gallinari who, like you said, has that, a little bit of playoff experience. The, the most amount of playoff experience on their team is Rajon Rondo, the two-time NBA champion. But at the end of the day, you can really only have on, on most playoff teams, you're only really going to be able to have one of Rajon Rondo and Trey Young on the court. And it, like, of course, it's going to have to be Trey Young. So, either way, Hawks red hot right now. Maybe start placing some bets on them. Boston, opposite 20 and 21, eight seed. Do they need to make a move to make the playoffs? That's that's what they have to worry about right now. Not championship contention, not getting back to the conference finals. They got to worry about making the playoffs. A game and a half lead on the next two teams in the East right now. But to solidify that spot, do they need to make some kind of trade? No, they'll be okay because you got to at least be a 10 seed to make the playoffs this year. But to do something productive in the playoffs, yeah, absolutely. Are they going to? No, because Danny Ainge is a scrooge and will not actually – Give up his treasure trove of assets. So, How, who would you rather play in the first round as a Sixers fan, the Celtics or the Knicks? I'd want the I'd want the Celtics purely from a revenge standpoint because I know we'd kill them. That's valid. The oh, Knicks, exactly. like, I'm not saying we wouldn't beat the Knicks, but the Knicks are actually good this year and do play pretty well. Like Julius Randle has a legitimate chip on his shoulder for good reason, but I would love to just decimate the Celtics because every year it's like. Sixers can't beat the Celtics in the playoffs, this or that. And I'm like, I just, I want to crush you so bad. As do we all. Um, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully Boston doesn't even figure out a way to make the playoffs. But if they do, I would love to see that Boston Philly rematch with a fully healthy Embiid and Simmons and just the running of a muck that the Celtics would have to deal with. I mean, you saw how mentally they broke apart against the Heat in the conference finals last year. I would love to see the Sixers just rip that out right in game one or two. So, that, that's what the East looks like. That's pretty much what the NBA looks like. Last little bit here. Blake Griffin is set to make his Brooklyn Nets debut tonight. He will be on what I assume is a heavy minutes restriction coming off the injury. Hasn't really been fully acclimated in the offense. Honestly, they probably haven't even really finished what the offense is going to be when everybody's fully healthy yet. Um, but good to see Blake out there. It'll be exciting to see him. I assume Kyrie and Harden should both be active at the very least. Durant, we'll see. That, that's the other big storyline of this year is like nobody really knows when Kevin Durant's coming back. Um, we'll touch on that a little bit later as, as playoff time gets closer. Um, but that's what we got for the NBA. We have a lot to get to for the NFL here. So mm-hmm. everybody's going to take a deep breath here as free agency is now fully in swing and teams are going nuts. The team who's possibly going the most nuts, which is a surprise because this team is usually very quiet come free agency time. 
That is the New England Patriots. So we mentioned last week that on, on kind of a surprise note, they brought back Cam Newton to be their starting quarterback. They have now acquired Kyle Van Noy, Hunter Henry, John U. Smith, Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, and then also traded for an offensive lineman, Trent Brown from Las Vegas. The Patriots are making moves. You know, I said that, that a couple weeks ago that I thought Jimmy, like a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo could help really step this team up. They seem to not even want to worry about that. They're trying to build around what they have. Um, so of these moves they've made so far, how, how do you like what the Patriots have, have done to try and revamp what was a, a pretty poor first season after Brady? I mean, it's good that they're trying to do something productive, but I tend to liken this free agency period to the Dolphins last year. You know, Dolphins had a great record. They missed the playoffs by a tiebreaker. But you can't just sign your way to victory in the NFL. You have to develop some sort of chemistry because it is a 22-person plus, obviously, more to have great chemistry and potentially make a deep playoff run or win a Super Bowl. I think the Patriots are doing the right thing and actually pushing for better talent because their team is team was not good last year. They are just very well coached in my opinion. So to give Cam Newton actual weapons and Belichick the ability to kind of work with something is good, but this doesn't guarantee them any success. They have to actually use their talent for once and go somewhere with it. I, I agree. I, I like the concept because, you know, something I really struggled with was the passing game. You mentioned not even really knowing who Jacoby Myers was, who was their only effective receiver last year with any relative amount of consistency, Edelman being in and out of the lineup and all. Um, so I like the concept of going after two receivers, but, you know, Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar, like Aguilar did have a pretty good year for the Raiders. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but these, these are two guys that are pretty underwhelming wide receivers at the grand scheme of things. And you have a pretty underwhelming arm of a quarterback throwing to them. The tight ends I like a lot more, and the, the offensive linemen and the Kyle Van Noy that they acquired, I like those. I agree that you can't sign your way to a championship, but they are putting themselves in a much better spot than they were in at this point last year. Like we said, a lot to get to. The Giants, uh, I think the most recent as of since we started this episode was Kenny Galladay's big four-year deal to go to the Giants. He will be joining Kyle Rudolph and John Ross as kind of the marquee names they brought in here. Again, another team that struggled with playmakers. Their, their top guys, Sterling Brown, didn't even really play till halfway through the year. Or Sterling Shepard, excuse me, still on basketball in my head. And um, Darius Slayton, who did all right, but inconsistency. So they bring in Galladay, who's a pretty consistent, solid receiver. Bring in John Ross, the, the fastest 40 time the NFL has ever seen. And Kyle Rudolph, who's aging, but a very smart veteran tight end. Um, again, this division, wide, wide open. What else? Again, we know we know about the offensive line struggles and the health of Saquon, but what else? Did, like, are the Giants really close at all? I guess is what I'm trying to say. They are, but they aren't. Because you know what piece? You know what piece they're really missing? Hmm. A quarterback. Yeah. I don't think yeah. Daniel Jones is the right guy. Granted, he's better than Eli Manning, at least when Eli Manning was ending his career. But I don't think Daniel Jones is the right person. He's fast as hell for whatever reason, but. To me, I don't know if you'd want to draft a QB necessarily, but I just I don't think you're going to make the most out of your weapons without a better quarterback. Yeah, this is now truly the is Daniel Jones going to do anything for us? It's going to be his third full year in the NFL. It's going to be a, a, a world where he has a great running back and a damn good receiver. 
Evan Ingram has his struggles, but he's at least a useful tight end. The offense is going to be there for him. This, this is going to be really the year of like, is Daniel Jones the guy the Giants should be building around? And I think I think the way we're both leaning is probably not. Yeah, I think this goes opposite of what Baker Mayfield did last year. Yes, completely. Okay, Browns haven't made too much noise. Honestly, that entire Steelers division has not made too much noise. The Steelers, the Browns, the Patriots, or excuse me, the Ravens and the Bengals. None of them have made two largest splashes. The biggest name, honestly, the biggest name was leaving that division, but uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, it was kind of, we didn't really know what was going on with him. He has come back, decided to stay loyal in Pittsburgh. One year, $8 million deal. Um, not surprising necessarily to see him stay with Pittsburgh, but he turned down a decent amount more money from other teams. He was offered, it was essentially the same contract but with different amounts of incentives from both the Chiefs and the, I think the Ravens were one of them. Yep. And the Eagles offered actually him a multi-year contract and he declined that to stay loyal, stay in Pittsburgh. As a Steelers fan, I respect it. I appreciate it. And again, I have, despite the TikTok dancing, loved Juju his entire career. So I'm very happy to see him back. It's just a very interesting decision that A, betting on himself, which I, I love from a player, but um, the concept of, of not leaving for the money and really wanting to be in Pittsburgh, I, I, I appreciate both as a Steelers fan and just a fan of sports. So I'm very happy to see Juju back in Pittsburgh. Yeah, of course you are. You got him on a <laughs> vet minimum, basically. He's an idiot. <laughs> I'm going to say it. He's an idiot. I mean, well, yeah. He's an he, idiot. He, he's going to be the clear number one receiver in Pittsburgh again, which is nice. And the team at, at this point – you don't really know what's going to happen, but hopefully he can kind of hit his stride, prove he can be a number one receiver, and again, kind of betting on himself to get that big contract, like the bigger contract next year. He'd be the number one receiver on any of those other teams with the exception of the Chiefs. Yeah. I understand the Chiefs. Like, obviously, you have the chance to win the Super Bowl, but you also, like, you become the third best receiver in that system because of Travis Kelsey. And then Baltimore, they just don't throw the football enough. And also, as a Steeler, you probably hate Baltimore at this but he's a younger guy so he lets that stuff influence him a little bit more I guess the, the Eagles want it I have to assume he just figured the Steelers would be a little better than the Eagles this year yeah that's, um, I don't I don't mind that like even as an Eagles fan like I understand why Philadelphia is not an attractive place to go granted Jalen Hurts though you know we could see a breakout here which would be awesome but who knows with the Eagles uh the yeah fair enough I guess with the Ravens if you literally have that hatred, sure. Watch out for him to get a larger – like, okay, say, say he has a pretty good year with Pittsburgh, at least a better year than some people would expect. Watch the Eagles offer him a slightly larger multi-year contract next year because the Eagles might just – he might just see the Eagles as, as like a year away from being ready for him. Maybe. Whoever – I mean, regardless, I don't think he helps your team out. <laughs> No, but he doesn't. I mean, he helps, but he's not going to make the most difference. Yeah, at the end of the day, point. Deontay Johnson needs a new set of hands, and Ben Roethlisberger needs to be twenty years younger. True. All right, so that that's what we got for the Steelers, and I think that entire division, to be completely honest. Uh, that being said, the guy I was talking about going out that might have been the biggest name, maybe in free agency that isn't a quarterback, Bud Dupree, the what would have been Pro Bowl All Pro linebacker for the Steelers before tearing his ACL has gotten on a five-year, $85 million-plus incentive contract with the Tennessee Titans, team who have been hot the last few years, um, really trying to restructure that defense because that was their biggest struggle over the last year or so. Uh, so is this where we're going to see Bud Dupree really start to – like we saw it a little bit in that first half of the year with Pittsburgh, but is this now when we're going to see Bud Dupree really start to develop into the player that he can become? 
God, I hope so, because he's a freak already. And the Texans are effectively a decent defense away from being a scary contender. And they, the sad part was, like, when they went to the championship game two years ago at this point, they had both. Like, they're, they're just underrated. And then mm-hmm. last year, their defense just was not good. Shout out Jadavian Clowney, you bum. But no, I'm kidding. But anyway, yeah, Dwight Dupree is a scary, freakish edge rusher. Having him can really make a significant difference to any defense, especially the Titans. Yeah, no, he's. I think he's going to have a large impact right off the bat. And to be completely honest, they probably look like the, the scariest team in that division as of right now um, through the early part of free agency. I mean, I mean, the Colts are might. We don't know really what the Colts are going to look like with Wentz instead of uh, Rivers. And we definitely have no clue what Houston is doing. Um, speaking of Houston, of course, not with the name Deshaun Watson, but still making noise in free agency. Um, I think we mentioned that they or that they signed Mark Ingram last week, the former Ravens and Saints running back, made a few more moves in free agency. That was to sign Philip Lindsay, a secondary running back, Shaq Lawson, and who knows what this means, but quarterback Tyrod Taylor. Taylor, the guy who missed all of last year, the punctured lung from the doctor, set way for Justin Herbert to step in, but that, that's what Houston is doing. They have now a similar but poor man's version of Deshaun Watson sitting behind him on the depth chart. At some point, it does feel like they're gearing up to trade him, right? Well, you have to. Otherwise, no one's going to ever want to come to Houston again. Sure. I, I will make a bet now with you that if they do trade Deshaun Watson and Tyrod Taylor becomes the quote-unquote QB1, that he will not play more than three games before they bench him for a rookie or a backup quarterback. You're, so you're probably right. I know. There's also probably a decent chance he comes back into the starting lineup at some point. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so uh, Houston's a dumpster fire, like we've talked about many times before. Just trade Deshaun Watson. You're gonna get a good haul for him, unless you're an idiot, which honestly could happen. Exactly. We'll see what Houston's able to honestly muster up at this point because I bet teams are probably playing a little bit of hardball right now too. But we'll see. Houston, again, probably the hottest talking point that's going to take up this offseason. Sticking in the AFC here, the Bills trying to add some depth here. They add who knows how old he is anymore. Maybe his birthday happened. Emmanuel Sanders has gone to the Buffalo Bills, uh, presumably be the replacement for John Brown. Uh, And Mitch Trubisky, is effectively now Josh Allen's backup in Buffalo. Honestly, a pretty good backup quarterback to have, in my opinion, especially for a guy who kind of operates the similar way minus the you know deep-throwing power that Allen has. Yeah, I don't hate it. Uh, definitely a great backup. Allen also, his style, like he'll run and he takes hits. So having Trubisky as a backup is definitely one of the best backups you could potentially have. Yeah, no Nick Foles, but... All speaking right. of the Bears. Yeah, speak, speaking of the Bears. Uh, well, they did sign, re-sign Allen Robinson, so that was a plus for them. However, um, they, 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 signed the a quarterback. They, they signed a quarterback who has the same hair color as their fan base and their, their color scheme, and that is Andy Dalton is more than likely going to be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. As a Bengals fan, I think that's – or it's not a Bengals fan. As a, as a Steelers <laughs> fan that watched the Bengals play a lot of football, I think it's hilarious – because that man sucks 
at football. Everybody was like with the Cowboys last year. Oh, they're going to be fine. He's a really good backup quarterback to have. I was like, yeah, he's a really good backup quarterback to have. He's not a really good starting option for more than like a game or a half. And I'm right. (laughs) It's, it's going to be a mess for Chicago's offense this year. It's going to be a lot of turnovers. I think this is good for the sake of, they can start to see if they can develop David Montgomery into a true feature back. Um, but passing the football, like, I don't know what Allen Robinson's decision to resign was. I, this to me is a just dumpster fire waiting to happen. They're, they're a Khalil Mack trade away from being off the map completely. Yeah. But maybe it's just a ploy to get Russell Wilson there. Maybe it was like Russell Wilson, Andy Dalton and throwing a million picks and there you have it. <laughs> Throw in your entire draft slate for the next, however many years you're allowed to give us draft picks for Oh boy. So Chicago fans, I, I feel for you, but also I just, it, you're kind of annoying. So I'm kind of fine with it. The Raiders making a little bit of noise here. Kenyon Drake, John Brown, and I believe Ngakwe, what was, what was his first name? I, I'm blanking Yannick, on Yannick Ngakwe. Yes. Yannick Ngakwe. Big signings as the Raiders were a team close to the playoffs, a little, a little short last year, but those are really nice moves. Kenyon Drake is a starting quality running back that will be in a true backup role to Josh Jacobs. Um, that's a scary, scary team. Plus, we talk about that great line um, and 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 improve. You know, trying to improve the defense. Raiders can make some noise. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I, from my recollection, though, I think the Kenyon Drake contract was a little bit steep, especially as a backup. So I'm kind of curious to see what they do with him. Uh, yeah, it was a two-year, $14.5 million deal. So if, as a backup, if you do a two-headed system, fine, but I still think it's a bit expensive. Grant Drake is a good running back, so it's not the end of the world, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that one quite yet. Yeah, but uh, either way, you can tell the Raiders, like, they want to be in that contention mode. They've been so close the last few years, um, so – Gruden and the rest of the staff trying to make something out of what they have. I still think they're going to need a better quarterback option than Derek Carr, though. All right, moving here. Some fun news. We heard that the Washington football team was not going to bring back Alex Smith. Instead, they bring in another fan favorite older quarterback. That is the Fitz Magic, Ryan Fitzpatrick, coming to the football team along with Curtis Samuel, the, the speed guy for the Panthers last few years. Again, this division wide open. Fitzmagic in another situation where it's going to be like you can pretty much play until we decide we don't want to play you anymore. They got Heineke. I'm sure they may even bring in another guy or draft somebody. So do you think Fitzmagic can maybe find some of that consistency that Alex Smith found towards the end of last year for the for the football team? No. I think you'd want to try and see if Heineke can do anything. I mean, Fitz. Patrick is a great QB to have when you don't have anything and you just kind of need to go and win games, but it's not a good long-term decision. And it's not, they're not doing it for the long-term. I understand that, but I think you have to try and develop a QB at some point. Like your division is trash. Like you honestly may win it with eight wins next year. So to me, you might as well just go out and be like, okay, let's, let's take a gamble and try and develop, Heineke or they may still have Kyle Allen and then have Fitzpatrick waiting in the wings, kind of like what they did with, with the Dolphins last year where you use them when necessary, but you'd want to pick a younger quarterback in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. 
I think it's, like, I, I just always love to see where Fitzmagic goes from year to year at this point. Um, he's a good presence to have, I think, for especially a young oh, sure. team that like almost accidentally made the playoffs last year. So, you know, good, good for that team. And, and, you know, hopefully, hopefully he does well. That's all that we can really root for for Fitzpatrick at this point. Been in the league for a little while now. Kind of is this career just like fill-in spot. So that, that, that's what he does. He's the Trevor Reza of the NFL. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> he really is. He'll get to those. Not, not quite the 11 trades, but maybe 11 different teams at this point. Dolphins trying to make moves, like you said, missed on a tiebreaker last year. Tough. Bring in a replacement for Fitzmagic and Jacoby Brissett, who we saw get to run some special uh, line lineups and, and formations for the Colts last year. And the bigger one, Will Fuller, to pair another dynamic receiver with Devontae Parker. Uh, I really like both of these moves. I just like Jacoby Brissett. And then if Will Fuller can stay healthy like he did for most of last season, him and Devontae Parker are going to be one of the better receiver duos that we get to see in the NFL. Yeah, but it's like, will Tua actually be able to perform with them? Sure. That's... Throw him with 95 yards. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully they actually end up making a trade for Deshaun Watson at some point. But yeah, having Will Fuller next to uh, – why am I blanking? Devontae Parker. Sorry, I blanked on his name for a quick second. But having them together, that's a great tandem, and it'll be scary, especially with uh, Mike Jacecki as well at the tight end position. Like, there's a lot you can do with it, and the Dolphins have basically made every possible right move, and Brian Flores is the right coach. The problem is, and no one's willing to admit it yet, Robbie, Tua kind of stinks. I'm just <laughs> going to say it. Yeah, it wasn't does. the most impressive first year half year that he got again you give young guys two three years to really see what they're going to become but yeah it was underwhelming especially when you saw so many other rookie quarterbacks herbert and and the that we got of burrow and and even hurts towards you know down the stretch yeah. like they really all played well from hurts had one bad game but the eagles suck so like didn't matter <laughs> it was nice to see those guys play well we would have liked to see more out of the uh, the other guy but you know out of Tua, but it just it didn't, he had one pretty good game and that was, that was it. Kept getting benched in the fourth quarter. And like, they kept saying, it was like, it's because Fitzmagic puts us in the better spot to win. And that that's like a huge, huge knock on Tua. They didn't want it to sound like that, but it is. Absolutely. So Miami got some quarterback things to figure out, but either way, the rest of the roster looking better and better each day. Panthers signed defensive end Hassan Riddick. They are, again, one of those teams trying to put themselves in a spot where they can make a trade for Deshaun Watson when it really becomes possible. Signing a guy like Riddick, a good spot. Again, they were a, they were a horrible defensive team last year, so bolstering that side of the football is vitally important. Um, we don't want to see Deshaun Watson go to a situation where it's the exact same thing, just a different name on the franchise of he has to do everything on offense and the defense has one player that does a lot but not enough. We don't want to see that. So the Panthers hopefully trying to put themselves in the position where that won't be possible. Bigger defensive move, though, the Vikings, another team who struggled with defense last year, bring in Patrick Peterson, one of the best defensive back football has to offer. I didn't even see this coming. I had no clue he was going to Minnesota. Yeah, it seems like the Cardinals wanted to move on from him and get younger. I, I don't know how this impacts the Vikings in particular because the Vikings are kind of in that rebuilding and also kind of contending middle ground, which isn't really a great threshold, but Peterson's a great guy to have. 
And if you can fill out the rest of your defensive depth, then yeah, I think you're doing pretty well. It's just kind of going to come down to Ken Kirk cousins work through the kinks with their offense. Yeah, no, the, the offensive side of the ball is the biggest question mark for them. It's, you know, either they're going to either light you up for 500 yards and four touchdowns or, you know, Kirk Cousins is going to go three, four picks. Someone's going to fumble. It's going to be a mess. So Vikings just looking for some consistency on either end of the field. So Peterson, a good guy to bring in there. A.J. Green, veteran receiver being brought to Arizona, um, formerly with Cincinnati for his entire career. So interesting to see him leave. Also, probably the Cardinals getting ready to prepare for the inevitable end of Larry Fitzgerald's career. And Christian Kirk struggled being the true number two. He's really more of a deep threat. He he has good chemistry with Murray because they played together in college, but like he's just not great at route running unless it's just a straight deep ball. So I I think bringing in A.J. Green is good. He kind of came on in certain games for the Bengals last year, but you know, he doesn't really fit their timetable anyway. They kind of had a plethora of receivers that needed playing time, needed snaps and green was just kind of in the way. So I like this move a lot, actually offense isn't necessarily a struggle for the Cardinals, but it's always good to bring in a veteran presence like that. Yeah. And if adds more depth to their receiving core, you have Hopkins and you mentioned Kirk before there's a lot you can do with that. And we're going to really see if Kyler Murray, like Kyler Murray really doesn't have an excuse now for receivers. Like he's got a great core around him. It's what can he do? And also what can Cliff Kingsbury do? Yeah, really, really. How can he make this offense even more dynamic? It's so much potential there, but they lost Kenyon Drake. Maybe Chase Edmonds steps in as the full-time running back. They kind of use him and Murray as the running backs. We'll see what happens. Eagles making minimal amounts of noise at this point. They need they need corners. They bring in safeties. That's right. Uh, how, how you feeling about the, the birds so far? Uh, I mean, they're in cap hell right now because the cap went down. They're already going to be over it if the cap even was like stagnant or went up a little bit. I I don't mind. They brought in Anthony Harris. And they brought in um, Adams from the Bucks. Like those are great depth additions to their safety position. I always worry with the cornerbacks. They just have always had issues with them. I mean, they have Darius Slay. I sometimes we'll forget about him, but he's he's a great corner. The other side though is kind of wide open. They don't have Sidney Jones anymore. They Jalen Mills is gone, thankfully. He's on the Patriots now, so praise everything. Uh yeah, it's gonna be interesting. And not to get too aside from the Eagles offseason moves, but I think they're gonna make a lot of noise in the draft. And they're either going to bolster their receivers or they're going to bolster their linebacking core. So I think with the sixth pick, they're either going to draft uh, Devontae Smith, if he's still available, or they're going to draft Micah Parsons out of Penn State. Yeah. I wouldn't be mad at either pick. I think both... both are pretty solid picks. Even if you get like the, you know, you don't get Devontae Smith. There's still some pretty good receivers. Worst, worst case, you trade down if that's who you're trying to get. So you're, yeah, you're exactly. in a pretty good spot for the draft, I would say. Don't blow it. Simple. That's pretty much the only thing for the Eagles at this point. Don't blow it. You've got nothing to blow, but you're still going to blow it. Exactly. That's Philly. It's it's simple. You're going to fuck it up. The okay. So the Jets' quarterback Sam Darnold was supposed to be a really hot trade piece this off season. Maybe some teams trying to get a little younger. The Jets trying to become a more veteran team, and it's kind of being reported that there is essentially no value for Sam Darnold. I think. (laughs) the Jets are the only team that thinks he's a good quarterback. And I think it's really funny because Sam Darnold is like, he's awful. He he is one of the worst quarterbacks I have genuinely ever seen have a franchise 
put behind them. Nah, I'm going to spin zone that a little bit. He's, he did not have a good core. He's not great, but he did not sure. have much to work with. Dumb decisions. I don't disagree with that. But then again, he's also like pretty young. And when you have a team like the Jets, who is like constantly tanking and has no one around, sometimes you just got to throw a Hail Mary. Like, why not? What's the worst that happens? You lose a game you're already going to lose. But no. it's funny that he's actually like no value. Like that's kind of intriguing to be honest with you. What do you do with that second pick though? Do you draft like a Zach Wilson out of BYU? Cause I imagine Lawrence is going to number one. Yeah. I, I would. I mean, you know, Robbie, this would be so much easier if they had the number one pick, right? <laughs> it really would. Unfortunately, the jets are so bad. They can't even lose correctly. Exactly. So yeah, I, I mean, at this point, just, maybe get somebody else to assess your team and tell you what the uh, the worst position on your team is the thing you need the most help with and then just draft whoever the best available is I would hire somebody from New England or or Kansas City some of some of these top teams because y'all don't uh-uh. I mean they can hire me I'll tell them what's wrong with their franchise and it's going to be the answer everything I was about to say it's just one big piece of paper that says everything <laughs> it's like a scroll that you roll down it's just there's this it just says everything. Right? It's like, like Panda when they open the scroll and it's like, oh, it was me all along. It was like, yeah, no, the Jets, you sucked all along. Of course. <laughs> all righty-roo. Last thing to get to here would be the New Orleans Saints quarterback situation. Um, so pretty much right after we finished our episode last week, of course, uh, Drew Brees announced his retirement from the NFL, a absolutely first ballot Hall of Fame caliber career, one of the best quarterbacks to ever do it, Super Bowl champion, all all time great calling it quits hanging them up leaving room for the next guy who for about 15 minutes we all assumed was going to be Taysom Hill signed a 140 million non-guaranteed contract and everybody thought okay cool so they're going to start building behind Taysom they have the way to cut him loose if he starts doing poorly and then they brought Jameis Winston back who should have been the backup quarterback probably was on the depth chart but then when, when Breeze went down, Hill was the replacement. What's going on? Are they going to be doing a two-quarterback system? Is this just kind of like they want a good backup to have? Like, what is going on with the, their quarterback? It's like they lost Drew Breeze and, and their chickens with their heads cut off. First and foremost, the Taysom Hill contract is just a legal form of money laundering. <laughs> I want to start and clarify that. Because it's like four years, $140 million. Like, this is an NBA-type sounding contract. Like I'm pretty sure Kyrie and Kevin Durant both got these identical contracts during free agency last year. Boy, um, I really think they want to build around Taysom Hill. But Taysom Hill is so much more valuable as that Swiss Army knife that he's been used with Drew Brees. The problem is I don't think James Winston is the answer either. So I think right now they're – they're stuck. They lucked out with, God, what, 15 years of Drew Brees or four? No, 14, call it. But still, a decade and almost a decade and a half, which is great. But I don't know where you go from here because I don't, after watching Taysom Hill play the Eagles and the Eagles actually beating them, I, yeah, he can do a lot, but I don't think he's a great quarterback. Jameis Winston has the potential of being a great quarterback, but I just, I, discipline wise, I think it's iffy. I don't know. Can you help me out here? Yeah. I mean, I can try. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, for the sake of A, you started with it last year, and, and B, he's a little bit younger. I think he's a little bit younger. Taysom Hill feels like the one to just 
go with. Like, the Saints should be a playoff. Whether or not they're able to win their division with the Bucs um, and if the Panthers are able to get Watson or whatever that is, like, it, it'll be tough, but they should be able to make the playoffs. Um, so go with the guy you seem to be more confident with, and that's Taysom Hill, clearly. We know what Jameis Winston is. He's a gunner who throws a lot of turnovers but a lot of deep touchdowns. He's, he has a monster arm but no accuracy for shit. Taysom Hill, we don't fully know what he is as a quarterback yet. We know he can run and he can use all those option plays, all those those fun flips and, and tosses, all that fun stuff that he gets to do normally. But he is not the best at throwing the football down the field. If he can get to that point, there's no question Taysom Hill is the guy to go with. And I feel like when you have guys like Michael Thomas, you have guys like Alvin Kamara, you have a – I don't think they brought back Jared Cook, but you have a good offense around this young quarterback – Give him the benefit of the doubt. Again, if it gets to the point where you're struggling too much and you may not, you're looking like you're not going to make the playoffs, then you have one of the best backup quarterbacks in football to replace him. That was that was good. That's why you're my co-host. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we do this together, man. I got you. Pretty sure though, that's it. Uh, Gardner Minshew was the only other name I really had on here. They're kind of the Jaguars, kind of pulling offers for him at that point. We'll probably see him get a good backup role, or, or maybe a starting spot on a rough team. Where, where Minshew mania is always huge mustache guys, but uh, not not too much on the rumblings of, of Gardner Minshew right now. Grab so, my head, man. Last here before we clock out. I think this is a good rundown. We're sort of hitting that point where baseball is not fully back yet. We have March Madness, which is absolutely exciting. And I know for some people, listen you know, basketball isn't your thing. We get that. Robbie and I just absolutely love it. So we, that's, that's how we met each other. So it's, you know, it's, it's cute. It's nice and comforting. So to us, we're just happy to have news to talk about and it's really exciting time for us, you know, to anyone listening, who's pessimistic about the world and COVID and all that It is getting better. It may take probably a few months, but you know, I'm thinking like 4th of July, we could all be back at baseball games. They'd be pretty dope. Right. That'd be, that'd be pretty nice. Finally able to go home for the first time in over a year and meet some buddies at a, at a Phillies game when we get yeah. to like just trounce the Mets or something. That'd be awesome. That'd that be would awesome. be. So to anyone listening, like, the, you know, listen, I've been in Pennsylvania personally for the last, like over a year. I, I Last thing I had was a comeback from Nashville, Tennessee when COVID hit. So I've been in the great state of PA for over a year now. So if anyone's getting like, you know, stir crazy and, you know, feeling down, you know, make sure to take a walk, like get outside. And, you know, we've all been through it. This has been a tough year. So for sports, sports have always been a way that we've been able to sort of get out like our frustrations, you know, express ourselves really gets to stay active and to be in a good mindset. So I hope day one listening, I hope you're doing very well. You know, mental health is something that Robbie and I have always been able to communicate to each other about it's been this past year has been tough for ourselves personally, but there's a ton of people I know who are struggling significantly worse than we are. So we here at gym class all-stars are here for you. Hope is on the horizon and um, thanks for listening. And we really hope you're enjoying listening to us. So. Yeah, no, I think, I think you hit, hit nail on the head on that one or, you know, it's always good to talk about things. We love talking about sports. Good way to kind of, Keep, keep it easy keep, keep it nice and light yeah. um like you said we love college basketball we love regular basketball in general and you know this is a great time for that so we, we're happy to report on that and as baseball kicks in as, as hockey gets closer to the playoffs we'll start reporting on those sports as more as well for now trying to just give you the big and best stuff been a tough year we're pushing through the light at the end of the tunnel seems just about 
insight. So keep pushing, guys. Keep staying safe, of course, as always. We will be back next week with more free agent news, more tournament upsets, more upset Robbies and Bakers. It's going to be a fantastic time. Definitely tune in. Definitely download Vigit and definitely pray for me because I might get last place in my work pool. And I think I know the most about basketball combined. So we'll have fun on that one. I will be posting my orange juice video either tonight or tomorrow morning. I promise I have not forgotten about it. Don't you worry. Everybody can hold me to it. Good, good, good things coming as always. Again, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Take care guys. Peace.